Good morning. Talofa, thank you for joining us again this Sunday uh, for our worship service, our Zion UCC congregation. I'm so grateful that, uh, that people continue to take part in the service, to listen uh, and read and respond and sing. I'm grateful for uh, the notes that people send and the texts that people send that saying they appreciate it. Uh, I want to thank June uh, for reaching out to me. It means everything. Um, uh, to uh, I got pictures uh, from Jordan and Bryant this week and uh, got them hanging up in the office. Uh, uh, thank you to the Gunn family and everyone uh, taking part. Uh, it means a lot and it keeps us together as a community of faith. Um, so let's, uh, let's begin as we do when we gather. Uh, and just begin to, to settle down and imagine wherever you are, whatever you're doing, that God wants to gaze upon you, uh, to look at his child and take joy. And in order to do that, we're going to just Settle in for 60 seconds. Breathe in, breathe out, and prepare for worship. Amen. Now again this week, you will, you, you've already heard the beautiful uh, organ playing of Jeanette Vogelsang, and she and Doug again this week will uh, be uh, doing the responsive reading in our call to worship. Um, and uh, early on in the service, so thank you to Doug and Jeanette for reading again. Uh, hopefully, uh, you've been able to find um, where Jill has placed the liturgy, and you'll be following along and reading along with us. Uh, so thank you to the vocal sayings again. Please join me in our call to worship. People are often unreasonable and self-centered. Forgive them anyway. With God's love, be a blessing. If you are kind, people may accuse you of ulterior motives. Be kind anyway. If you are honest, people may cheat you. Be honest anyway. With God's love, be a blessing. If you find happiness, people may be jealous. Be happy anyway. With God's love, be a blessing. The good you do today may be forgotten tomorrow. With God's love, be a blessing. Do good. Give the world the best you have, and it may never be enough. Give your best anyway. 
with God's love, be a blessing. For you see, in the end, it is between you and God. It was never between you and them anyway. With God's love, be a blessing. Come, let us worship. I invite you now to take part in our prayer of confession. In our daily walk of faith, countless blessings surround us. We need to take the time to recognize these blessings and realize God's presence is always with us and within us. The power to be a blessing is within us because God's love rests in our souls. Blessings are God's favor and protection. We are called as Christians to let divine love flow through us and to others to be a blessing. We ask that all those that wish to please come forward and take a blessing from the bowl and complete that blessing. It only takes a spark to get a fire going. Let us complete our blessings so that love might spark a wildfire that will inspire others to be blessings as well. God of blessings, we often do not recognize all the blessings you have given. Sometimes we fail to answer the call to be a blessing as you have called us to do. Sometimes we stop the blessings with ourselves, not allowing them to flow through us. In your love and strength, we have chosen to be a blessing to another. Help us to complete the blessings task that you have chosen for each of us and to make a difference in the life of another, ourselves, our community, and the world. Amen. Alive to God's blessings, may we journey into life in new ways. May we take to heart the gift of God's presence, peace, and forgiveness. Receive it gladly. Live it with passion and boldness. Christ is risen. Christ is risen indeed. Hallelujah. Our scripture readings this week are both uh, from your New Testament. And um, I'll talk just briefly about each one and, and their passages that you're familiar with already. Uh, and then, then we'll pa- you can pause again and, and get your Bible and read those passages uh, after that. But uh, the first passage is in Acts, um, the second chapter. And Peter has uh, delivered what a lot of people call the first sermon of the Christian church. And when he has... Uh, spoken the truth to the people who would listen there about the coming of the Holy Spirit uh, and about the circumstances uh, before and and during um, the crucifixion of Jesus and uh, and it's you know fascinating the way that that people respond and the way people didn't respond so uh, so the first thing you'll read in chapter two of Acts is verse fourteen and then verses 36 through 41. The second uh, passage is uh, the road to Emmaus. Uh, it's the typical title that we give to uh, this story the same morning that Mary Magdalene uh, heard her name being called by the risen Christ. Later on, um, Jesus appears to Cleopas and his friend walking uh, on the way to Emmaus. And it's fascinating. Cleopas is actually a relative of Jesus, uh, and, and he wasn't able to recognize him. And there's some profound meaning 
in that truth as well. So Luke 24 is where this passage is contained in verses 13 through 35. So I'll go ahead and and, uh, allow you to pause here as you read those passages. Prior to the sermon this week, uh, Jeanette has uh, picked out a great hymn for us this this Sunday, meaningful hymn. Um, It's on 454 in our hymnal. And um, it's, it's a simple, the, the lyrics are simple and they're repetitive and they're, uh, and they're beautiful. And they talk, uh, they were written uh, by a people uh, struggling uh, with their exterior circumstances and their relationship with the power and, and their oppressors. And this, the, the hymn itself is uh, reminiscent of our liturgy this morning, you know, uh, do good anyway be kind anyway, be happy anyway. And the thrust is uh, what you want is to follow Christ. And that's, that's all that matters. And it's an internal thing. And the external things will take care of themselves. So there are four verses, and you'll recognize um, the melody. Uh, Lord, I want to be a Christian is the name of the song. The first verse, Lord, I want to be a Christian in my heart. In my heart, Lord, I want to be a Christian in my heart. And then uh, the refrain, in my heart, in my heart, and then, it, and then repeats it again. Lord, I want to be a Christian in my heart. The second verse, I want to be more loving in my heart. And then the same, same repetition, same refrain. Third verse, Lord, I want to be more holy in my heart. And then the fourth verse, Lord, I want to be like Jesus in my heart. And so if you'll remember those, I want to be a Christian in my heart. I want to be more loving in my heart. I want to be more holy in my heart. I want to be more like Jesus in my heart. Easy peasy. You got all uh, four verses. Uh, So wherever you are, uh, sing it out.
Thank you again, Jeanette. The scriptures that uh, we're reading again this morning on the third Sunday of Easter. And we are still trying to get our heads and our hearts around what happened on that first Sunday of Easter and what continues to happen amongst followers. And I wanted to talk about some commonalities between all of the people who encountered the risen Christ. Um, beginning with Mary, the passage we read together on Easter uh, Sunday, Mary Magdalene, that is, uh, when she first saw the risen Christ, she did not recognize uh, who he was, who he is, depending on um, the verb that, that you prefer, but she did not recognize Jesus upon first glance, and only after she heard her name called uh, did she recognize who he was and who she was. Um, Peter and John, uh, the same way, they ran to, to the tomb, and if you remember correctly, they knew something had happened, and you know they were overwhelmed. Um, but they did not understand, as the passage said, and they ran back to their home. Um, only after Jesus visited them, and then we, we read that in the last week, uh, in the upper room behind the locked doors because of fear. Only when he came into their presence and said, Peace be with you, did they recognize it. And then, um, you know, the famous story of Thomas. He didn't recognize him uh, or wouldn't recognize him uh, by the witness accounts, but only after he saw him and saw the wounds. There's something about those wounds that's profound for us, uh, that they are, they are a sign, they are something, they're a symbol of something uh, that is relevant. Um, and then today we read of Cleopas and uh, his friend walking uh, to the village Emmaus. And Cleopas, as I said, was, was his relative, uh, cousin, I assume, um, and did not recognize Jesus. And they went through the whole discussion. So uh, the commonality that I want to, I guess, have us think about this morning at the beginning of the sermon is this notion that the risen Christ is in our midst, but oftentimes we, we don't recognize it. I think it's a valid or a profound point being attested to by the authors of these accounts. Um, and here's what I'd like to convey to you, and it's something we've talked about already, that the knower, you and me, must be transformed. There has to be a change within us. Our eyes have to be changed. So many stories in the Gospels about someone who couldn't see but can see now. And I'm not trying to trivialize it, but, you know, this, I, I don't even remember when it was. At some point this week, we had green olives at the table, you know, all of us sitting around, everybody's home because of... Uh, you know, the circumstances uh, that we're all experiencing right now uh, with the virus, et cetera. Uh, it's been wonderful to have the family home together, but um, 
we had green olives there and uh, Jack was talking about how he never used to like them and now he can't get enough of them. Same thing with jalapenos. I don't know, your, your palate changes as you mature. I don't know, I think that's the thrust of the conversation. Uh, but for us, like I said, not to make it make light of recognizing the risen Christ in our midst, uh, comparing it to green olives, but green olives haven't changed. Jalapenos haven't changed. The knower, the one who's tasting it, has changed. And now they're delicious. Um, this week, like a lot of you, and, and through a lot of this COVID-19 uh, crisis that we are experiencing as a, as a species, as a planet, um, I'm probably n not unlike a lot of you, and it's difficult to discern who it is that I can trust, what source of information um, is has integrity behind it. Um, and I, I know you've all experienced that. I mean, there's so many different takes on what is happening, what is not happening, what it means, uh, you know, who's to blame, all of those things. Um, and we've been so inundated with people who give their point of view with integrity and or with conviction uh, that I mean, it's just difficult to know who to trust. So there, there is a man who I've read all his books. I've taken classes from him. He's a doctor, and I, I know I've talked about him from the pulpit before, Dr. Gabor Mate. Um, and I don't trust him because he's you know a best-selling author or any of those things. I, I trust him because of conversations that I've been a part of with him and, and how um, you know the things that he does helps people to change, to transform, and, um, and I, I don't, you know, the wounds are still there, uh, which is, which gives him credibility to me. I don't want to go off on a, and I, my, my point is this week I, I was watching him be interviewed uh, in a, a show on uh, British television, and they were talking about, uh, you know, coronavirus and how people are are processing it and how people are coping with it. Uh, now, Dr. Mate is a, you know, a world-renowned uh, expert on childhood trauma, on addiction, on uh, the grieving, or the, the dying process, rather. Um, and in this, this show that he was being interviewed on, they have a different guest. I don't know whether it's weekly or bi-weekly. But they had, uh, just prior to having Dr. Mate on, um, they had a couple of conspiracy theorists, people that, you know, have their own take on what's going on. Uh, and, and the interviews were, uh, they were impactful enough on people that, you know, people around... Uh, United Kingdom are, you know, burning down 5G towers and uh, all, you know, protesting and angry about stuff. And um, I was wondering how, 
I was surprised that Dr. Mate came on the show, for one thing. And I was wondering, you know, how he would deal with it or not deal with it. And, and early on in the show, he was asked for his perspective about coronavirus. And he said, it's interesting, if you are a conspiracy theorist, I mean, if you are a conspiracy theorist, that's how you're going to see what's going on. If you are a doctor who has spent his life dealing with trauma in all different capacities in different ways, then you're going to see and explain what's going on with this virus through that lens. In other words, the person you are is going to determine how you see it. The knower determines the meaning of the circumstances. So for example, the question was brought up about how different uh, minority groups among across populations are suffering more and experiencing more death and more sickness as a result of this virus. In the United States, for example, it's the African-American community has taken the brunt uh, of the suffering. And Dr. Mate was asked about it, and he said, and this is something that won't surprise any of us, but he talks about the explanation being one of trauma and stress. And here's what he knows as a doctor, and which will make intuitive sense to me and you. If you and I are out running through the forest and we have a cold, uh, I should say walking through the forest, we have a cold, and our immune system is, is doing a, a pretty good job of fighting off uh, not only the symptoms of that cold, but you know the, the virus itself and helping us get better. If at some point on our walk a jaguar jumps down from the tree and and, and threatens our lives. Immediately we're going to experience stress. Immediately we're going to uh, experience overwhelming fear. And all of the mechanisms in our body, all of the biological mechanisms, all of our energy, all of our attention is going to go toward answering that fear. So we're going to take off running. And so all of that energy that was being employed to fight the cold and to strengthen our immune system has now been repurposed to get us the heck away from this big cat that's trying to eat us. And it's a little bit of an extreme example, but the point is when our immune system is compromised as a result of stress and as a result of fear, then we suffer the effects of the virus more. So in various communities across the United States that experience all kinds of stress, whether that is uh, joblessness, whether that is, uh, whether that is crime, whether that is, you know, lack of health care, all of those things, all of those things are stress. And at least in my simple analogy here, it equates to the jaguar. And if your all of your energy, all your biological components internally are spent believing that you're being pursued by a jaguar, your immune system is going to be compromised. And so certain communities suffer more as a result of this virus. This is Dr. Mate's 
analysis. This is the lens through which he views it. That is the knower that he is, and it makes, it makes sense to me. It's a, it's a valid point about how we make sense of our world and how we might miss things that other people might see. Mary, Peter, John, all of the disciples, Thomas, Cleopas, and his friend walking to Emmaus, they had a view of the world that dictated how they experienced it. So for us, people that just a second ago sang out, I want to be a Christian in my heart. I want to be more like Jesus in my heart. We have to be able to entertain the idea that we, have, we need a desire to be transformed. We need to be willing to look differently, not just the way we see it. But we must be willing to see it anew. In the case of the scripture that we read this morning in Luke, Cleopas and his companion, they're utterly blinded to who this is walking with them because they expected the Messiah to deliver them from Roman occupation. They expected the Messiah to restore the kingdom of Israel. They had a view of the world. This is who the Messiah will be, and this is what it's going to mean for me. We are going to be victorious. Man, we're all guilty of that. This is what I believe, and this is how it's going to turn out, and this is how I will be vindicated when everybody knows. And it could be that when we're moving through the world like that, we can't even recognize the risen Christ in our midst. Man, pay attention to that for all of us. The truth has not changed, never has changed. A green olive is a green olive. So Jesus, in this discussion with Cleopas and his companion, he just reminds them of what they already know. You guys know these stories. You've read the Old Testament. You know what it says. Do you remember? You remember you already know this stuff. And gradually, and then they break bread together. And in the combination of, of Jesus speaking about things they already know, Jesus breaking the bread and serving them and their hospitality in the mix of that, in all of this I'm a co-authorship of reality is what I'm calling it. Everybody's contributing to this new reality. Everybody's willing to give of themselves. And then all of a sudden, the knower is changed. And the Christ is recognized. And in that moment, just like Mary hearing her name, just like Jesus revealing his wounds in that closed upper room, in that moment, that co-authorship, everybody's involved in it. Everybody's humble enough to see differently. They know that he is indeed risen.
So Peter's sermon, I'm going to talk just a little bit about the Acts because it's really profound. And he's speaking of what he's experienced and what he's seen in, in Jesus. And he's speaking of the coming of the Holy Spirit. And these people that heard Jesus' words, and, and this is a quote from verse 37, or heard Peter's words, rather, uh, they were cut to the heart. In other words, Peter is reminding them what they've already seen. Remember this prophet. Remember what happened. Remember what we allowed to happen to him. And they were cut to the heart. Now this isn't everybody, but a significant portion of them Rather than ignoring Peter, rather than walking away, they asked, what should we do? In other words, yeah, I understand the gravity of what you're saying. I understand the gravity of my part. What should we do? I want to harken back to this interview that I was talking about earlier with uh, Dr. Mate. Because the question is, once we do know the truth. We begin to change as knowers. And maybe we get hints of recognize the arisen Christ in our midst. Okay, what do we do? How do we change? Can we change? This is what is being asked of Peter by the people who were willing to listen to what he was saying. So this interview, he asks Dr. Mate at the end of this, and they're talking again. The context is this is the coronavirus. This is the experience that's going on. All over the world, people are, I mean, there's all kinds of good things. People are finding what is meaningful in their lives, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, it's hard for some people. It's easy for other people. And so the question is, as a result of what we are all enduring at the hands of this virus, will humanity be changed as a result of it? Will things be different? Will we be kinder? Will we be less wasteful? Will our lives be more full of joy? Will we, all of those things that we want to happen. Will we be more like Jesus in our heart from, from our perspective? That's, that's our question. And Dr. Mate's answer and I thought of it just because of, of, of how Peter's words were received by the crowd. It cut them to the heart. Dr. Monte has asked, are we going to be able to change? Are things going to be better? Will we be different? Will we employ this opportunity? Will we use this time to be better to one another? As a result of this, will we? And Dr. Monte paused and he said, well... In my lifetime, he said that I have endured a, a holocaust where six million people were murdered. Yet we still treat certain populations of people 
in, a, in, in unfair ways, in cruel ways. He said, I've lived through the Second World War and the First World War. We, you know, many people lived through together where millions of people died. Countries were destroyed, lives shattered, millions and millions of horrible, tragic stories. And we still wage war on one another. Four hundred years of slavery ended supposedly with the American Civil War. And racism is alive and well. We've been the witness to a brutal oppression. We've been witness to uh, the mass murder of indigenous populations all over the world at the hand of colonizers. And we haven't changed then. So the question is, after two months of being in quarantine and not being able to watch football, you know, and then he kind of left it at that. And it cuts you to the heart to hear that. So for me and for you, people who want to be more like Jesus in our heart, what shall we do? For the second week in a row, the answer is in the call to worship. No matter that Dr. Mate's answers and the truth that he points to cut us to the heart. We need to love anyway. We need to be merciful anyway. We need to be kind, patient, courageous anyway. That is what we shall do. We will seek the risen Christ anyway, willing to be transformed, willing to see in a new way, willing to co-author reality with one another. And we will recognize the risen Christ in our midst. It's true. And we will see it. Christ is risen indeed. Hallelujah. And amen. All right, let's uh, talk about announcements in the life of the church uh, right now together. Um, I hope that you were all able to look at, at the good news uh, this Friday that Jill got to us. So uh, most of the stuff that I'll talk about, uh, Jill has touched on in there. If you have something that uh, we need uh, that you want to have in, put in for the journey this month, get it here. Uh, get it to Jill by Wednesday uh, the 29th. Uh, we will, uh, and I, I think, I know we've talked about this before, but at least through May the 3rd, we won't be having any services in the sanctuary. We'll continue to do it uh, how we've been doing it. I, I got an email from Edith, our conference minister, uh, and stressing patience uh, and stressing, and, and um, you know, the, the first and foremost, we need to take care of one another. 
Um, and no matter how impatient we are or how much we want to be back in the sanctuary, uh, we're not going to risk anyone's life or anybody's health uh, for that. Um, we will meet as a consistory uh, after May 3rd, uh, May the 6th, I believe, and we will continue to talk about it. My counsel right now is for us to be as patient as we can and as cautious as we can with respect to this virus. Uh, and I think maybe, that, in my opinion, the stakes are too high for us to get together again in, in any kind of uh, hurried fashion. But uh, we again, we'll talk about it as a consistory and, uh, and pray about it. So thank you for being patient. Um, I want to make sure and uh, say thank you to John Austin. Um, those of you who have, who have been present at the Wednesday Bible studies, uh, you know uh, just how wonderful of a job he's doing. We're so grateful, uh, so fortunate for to have his wisdom, his guidance. Um, and, um, you know, people that are participating, I think, are getting uh, a lot out of it. And uh, anyway, thank you, John. We'll continue to do that for at least two more Wednesdays. And uh, maybe we can talk him into doing more. I don't know. But uh, it's been great. Uh, and uh, the same thing uh, can be said about our confirmation class. Uh, you know, all three of them, Nicole and Emmy and Lucian, have been awesome. Everybody that's... Uh, been a guest and answered the questions for the kids. It's been great. Um, so, and we'll, this Sunday is, will be our last class and, and then they'll be ready to join the church and whether we can do that in person or whether we'll have to do it another way. Um, now we'll figure that out in time as well. Um, I think I already thanked Jordan and Bryant for sending in, uh, the pictures. Um, oh yeah, I guess now is, would be as good a time as any. We're talking about Jordan and Bryant. Uh, I have another joke this week uh, that I, I, I don't know when I should have plugged it into the service, probably before now, but it'll work. This one is not from Dylan. This one actually is from Cleo. Um, so you can direct your ire in her direction. Actually not. It's a good joke. Um, what is the term for the medical condition for someone who has too many dogs in their house? It's called a rover dose. Okay, thank you, Cleo, uh, for that one. Um, as far as announcements go, I think um, I think that's it. Again, I would direct you to um, to our website. Uh, Jill's doing such a great job of keeping everything up on there. Um, and uh, Friday's edition of the Good News. I see that the cart out there is. Uh, got food in it, so people must be bringing stuff by. Thank you uh, for that. Uh, now let's uh, let's transition in uh, into an attitude of prayer. So again, settle down for for the second time and just be present for one another. Uh, on to on to the list uh, this week. I mean, you're going to recognize uh, names. Um, and I keep getting pictures of little Everly, uh, Everly Johnson. She's beautiful, and I, and uh, I'm so grateful that Cena sends them. I hope uh, that you've all had a chance to see this beautiful little girl. Um, TJ and Cena are down there with them in Austin right now, and uh, a 
Condi and Tao are back at home, but uh, we have Everly on the prayer list and the whole family for sure. Uh, I've added Grace Church to the prayer list. Uh, you know, we should be paying, praying for our uh, fellow churches anyway, but in this case, uh, this week, uh, their pastor, Phyllis Garrett, uh, and you probably all know Pansy Bedoin, uh, they kind of co-pastor there for, for the church in Abilene, but they uh, are venturing into the virtual world to put some of their services online, and, uh, and I'm their IT guy, so that's why... <laughs> That's why we're praying for them. But uh, Phyllis did a great job this week, and so they're uh, going to do something similar to what we're doing. Um, all right, let's 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 just begin uh, and settle in and pray together. Creator God, thank you for for this community of faith. Thank you for this time helping us realize that we are more precious than a building and that a sanctuary is not necessarily a physical space, but it's something that we hold together and cherish together. Thank you for Zion. We know that this is a difficult time for many people we know that there is loneliness, that there is anxiety, there's uncertainty, there's illness, there's loss. There are people working beyond what they knew, beyond the capacities that they thought they had. We're thinking of healthcare workers and others. We pray for their strength. We pray that they would know that we love them and appreciate them. If there was a way that we could be put in a position to help somehow, some way, please help us to recognize it. Lord, we continue to pray for healing, for J.D. and Jolene, for Dale, for Shirley, for Jolene. We pray for Tom and Vicki and Marielle. We add Dylan's grandmother to our list. We pray that she continue to get stronger. We're grateful that she's home. We pray for Alex and Losa, for Evan and Sutton. We hold the people at Grace Church in our prayers this morning. We pray for the Osa family that they would drink in their joy and they would know how much we love them. Thank you for little Everly. Lord, I can conclude uh, by offering a prayer for those who feel abandoned, for those who feel shame, for those who feel betrayal, in their heart of hearts, Lord. May they feel your commitment. May they know honor. May they know your loyalty. There are names that I have forgotten. There are difficulties 
that are just too much for us to voice. We put them at your feet and we trust you with all of our hearts. And we conclude again this Sunday praying the prayer that Jesus taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Thank you again for being with us this Sunday. Um, I know I speak for everyone when I say I miss you. Uh, I know we all miss one another. Christ has no body now on earth but ours. No hands, no feet on earth but ours. Ours are the eyes with which he looks compassion on this world. Ours are the feet with which he walks to do good. Ours are the hands with which he blesses all the world. Ours are the hands. Ours are the feet. Ours are the eyes. We are his body. Amen.